It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Nick Dionysopoulos was a landlord in Cleveland, Ohio. According to court documents, Dionysopoulos was accused of managing his properties in an inappropriate manner. In fact, when his units were inspected, they were said to be absolutely filthy. There were cracked windows, leaky sinks, black mold, and countless other violations. Cleveland Housing Court Judge Ray Pianca was not happy with this landlord. In order to teach him a lesson, he intended that his sentence would be of significant sacrifice. Judge Pianca fined Dio Nisopoulos $100,000 and sentenced him to six months house arrest. But here's the catch. His house arrest was to take place in one of his own dilapidated housing units. Following the sentencing, some questioned the fairness of the judge's sentence. And we could debate that as well. And while we may find some humor in this story, it is a good analogy for our subject today. The issue of judgment and its fairness. See, the Bible tells us that there is a judgment coming that will be the entire basis upon which our eternal destiny will be decided. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 says these words. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Jesus is coming again and he will judge both the living and the dead. However, would you be surprised if I told you that each of you who go to heaven will also participate in the judgment? It's true. Each of us who enter through the gates of heaven will be called to serve in a role in which we will actually participate the judging of the judgment. Today we continue our series, The Beatitudes of Revelation. Today is part five of a seven-part series. If you've missed any of the shows in this series, you can go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca, or to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash IIW Canada. And you can watch any of the archived programs there. We will also give you a number at the end of the program today so you can order the entire DVD series. The Beatitudes of Revelation are seven blessings that we find in the book of Revelation. And you know, that number seven is so fitting, isn't it? Revelation has seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven plagues. And now we are discovering the seven blessings or beatitudes. The fifth of those beatitudes is found in Revelation chapter 20 and in verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. 
Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. There is a lot for us to consider in this verse. Did you catch some of the key words and key phrases? First resurrection, second death, priests, and a thousand years. What could all of this mean for God's people? This beatitude starts off the same as all the others by saying, blessed. And as we have discussed before, the word blessing or blessed is a word that means happiness and joy. However, there is more to this particular blessing than just joy and happiness. In addition to being blessed, this verse says blessed and holy. This word holy carries the idea of purity or dedication to God. Whoever these people are that this beat is given to, they are promised happiness and to be dedicated to God. What then characterizes these people? What kind of activities do they participate in? First, they take part in the first resurrection. Now, some might ask the question, is there more than one resurrection? The Bible actually indicates that there are two distinct resurrections. Jesus himself taught this in John, the fifth chapter, in John chapter 5, verses 28 to 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. There are two resurrections. One is for those who have done good. These are God's people throughout time. They have entrusted their life to Jesus Christ and are clothed with his robe of righteousness. And now they are rewarded with the resurrection of life, life everlasting. But there is a second resurrection, the resurrection of those who have done evil. Those people who have made a choice to live for themselves throughout time. John 5, 24 says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in me, who sent me, has everlasting life. Those who are a part of the second resurrection are those who do not hear God's word, who do not believe in him, and who ultimately have made a choice to live a life for selfish purposes rather than God's purposes. And while a casual reading of that text may seem to indicate that our salvation is based on whether we have done good or evil, let's review how the Bible says we are saved. The Bible is quite clear that we are saved by grace and we read that and find that in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God and not of works, lest anyone should boast. And Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. These texts remind us that we are saved by grace. However, the Bible also says that we are judged by our works. Jesus himself said this, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each 
according to his works. Our good works are the fruit of a life saved in the grace of Christ. In Paul's letter to Titus, in Titus chapter 3 and verses 5, 7, and 8, he reiterates this point when he says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm to you constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. As we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us, and good works are a natural outcome of that experience. See, God is tenderly calling, and he tenderly warns us about doing evil in 3 John 1 and verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Our outward actions seem to be an indication of what is actually going on with us on the inside. John 5 is not the only place in which the Bible speaks of two resurrections. In the Old Testament, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, the angel explains it to Daniel like this. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the saved. They raise to everlasting life. It is that glorious day spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18, when Jesus comes to take us home. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. There is a blessing for those who are in the first resurrection because that is the resurrection that leads to everlasting life. In fact, the beatitude we are studying this week says, over such, the second death has no power. The second death? What is the Bible speaking of here? Yes, friends, the Bible also speaks of two deaths a first death and a second death. The first death is the death that happens to each of us when we die, if we die before Jesus returns. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 22. For in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And then in Hebrews 9, 27, it says these words, as it is appointed for men to die once. However, there is also a second death. That second death is referred to in Revelation chapter 20 and in verse 14. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The second death is clearly defined here. It is the final destruction of the wicked in the lake of fire. That moment in time where God cleanses the earth of all sin and all suffering, in that instance, everything is made pure. The devil, his angels, and even death itself are destroyed in the lake of fire. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26 promise the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Unfortunately, there will also be some humans that are cast into the lake of fire as well. Hellfire is designed to deal specifically with the sin problem and the author of sin. Matthew 25, 41 states it quite clearly. Then he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hellfire was never designed for human beings. But sadly, because some have chosen to do evil and not accept God's gift of salvation, that will be their final destiny. We've given an extensive treatment of the subject of hellfire in our series, Is Heaven for Real? If you would like more information on that topic, you can go to our website or our YouTube channel to watch that series or you can call the number at the end of the program to request those programs. Friends, the first resurrection is for those who receive the reward of heaven. It is the reward spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 54. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Heaven will be such a peaceful place. Perfect health, perfect happiness, no more death or sickness. Can you imagine it? The text that we are looking at today, this fifth beatitude in Revelation 26 that we are studying ends with these words. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The promised blessing is that in addition to the wonderful promise of the first resurrection, God's people are to reign as priests with God for a thousand years. What is this promise referring to? Between the first and second resurrection, there is something special that happens. When Jesus comes again to take his people to heaven, after that first resurrection, the wicked stay dead on this earth for a thousand years. The devil and his angels are also confined to this earth during that thousand years to contemplate their decisions and the rebellion that they had caused. 
there will be no longer anyone left for them to tempt because everyone that was not part of the first resurrection, they're dead. Meanwhile in heaven, the saved are with Jesus. You know, heaven is often pictured as a plump baby strumming a harp on the clouds, but that is not the picture that is painted by the Bible. Notice what the Bible says is happening in heaven between the first and the second resurrection in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. The saved throughout time are there in heaven. And the Bible says that judgment is committed to them. Now what's going on here? Didn't the judgment already happen? Revelation 22:12 says, speaking of Christ's return, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. When Jesus comes, it will have already been determined who is and who is not safe to take to heaven. So if Jesus has already judged, what's going on here? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3 give us a little further insight on the matter. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? The saved of heaven will judge the world and the angels. In what is one of the most amazing ironies of history, God is allowing the saved of all time to judge. Well, what are they judging? If God has already judged between who is good and who is evil, then that leaves only one thing that the saints would be judging they will be judging God's judgment. In a most startling decision, God has put his very own character on the line to be judged by the saved of history. Satan's original accusation of God was that he was not trustworthy. Now, God makes the information available to everyone so they can have the reassurance that God is trustworthy. Those who have had part in the first resurrection also get to serve as priests of God and of Christ. A priest in Old Testament times represented the people to God. The priest stood as a mediator or as an advocate between the people and God. In fact, the Bible appeals to all believers to be priests in Exodus chapter 19 and in verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests 
and a holy nation. And again in the New Testament in 1 Peter 2 and in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In these instances, the invitation to be a priest is not one so much in the formal sense of the word, but an invitation to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus and have direct contact with him. But reigning as a priest with God in the kingdom of heaven takes on a much greater significance. At that time, we are representing the people before God, just as the Old Testament priests did. However, we will be representing the people in God's final judgment. Now, what do I mean? We will have opportunity to question the very judgment of God. I've once heard it said that we will be surprised by three things in heaven. One, we'll be surprised by the fact that we are there. Two, we'll be surprised by who is not there. And thirdly, we will be surprised by who is there. In judging the judgment, we will be able to have all those questions answered. There is no doubt that at the conclusion of this investigation, those who have been serving as priests of God and of Christ will be left with only one answer. As a part of the song of Moses recorded in Revelation chapter 15, they will cry out, Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Dear friends, Jesus desires that you would be a part of the first resurrection. Don't you want to be a part of it? Heaven will be such a glorious reunion, a reunion with family and friends that have passed away. It will be a reunion that will never end, but most important of the reunion day will be the opportunity as a human race to be reunited with Jesus. He is the one who died for us. He is the one who came to save us, and he is the one who today is inviting you to make a decision to open the door to him. Jesus invites us into a personal relationship with him. In Revelation 3, 20 to 21, it records this invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is the overcomer. Because he overcame, you can overcome. He is waiting. Will you invite him into your heart today? He wants you to be a part of that glorious reunion. Why don't you make that decision today? See old friends gather Years can't erase Memories of yesterdays Alive on each face Though time has changed us Some things remain 
Friends, the book of Revelation is filled with blessings for you. Today, I'd like to offer you the DVD set, The Beatitudes of Revelation. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 
Thank you so much for watching today. I hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.